0: Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who is so faithful. Thank you that you are a God who calls us and a God who is able to do far more than we could ever think or imagine. Thank you that you have allowed us to be here, dear Lord. Thank you for just your love, your grace, your mercy. Hide me behind your cross. May you speak, dear Lord, today. And whatever I say that's foolishness, just let it go in one ear and out the other. But, dear Lord, I pray that your word touches someone's heart the way it's touched mine. We love you. We thank you. In your blessed name we pray. Amen. So Paula said, we were singing an African song earlier. She was like, listen, last week, what did you guys do? His, Hispanic, right? And then she's like, we're doing African today. And I said, that's perfect, because the story that we're gonna start with today is actually an African proverb. And what happens is one day there was a village council and this village, they got together and, and they said, you know what, our village is dying. Like people, people are dying and we need to figure something out. And so the highest chief of the village, he goes to, to like the, the seer and the seer says to him, he says, if you can go into the forest and find a seven tailed monkey, how many tails, a seven tailed monkey, and you bring it back, that'll be a sign that your village will be just fine. And so he calls the council together and he says to them, Pastor Rico, he says, I need to find a seven-tailed monkey. And everyone's like, That's impossible. Like we've never seen even a two-tailed monkey. And so they get together and they're they're meeting and they're meeting and they're talking about this. And day turns into night, turns into next day, and they're all just really weary. And they said, how can this be done? The seer is asking for something that cannot be done. And then one of the elders speaks up. And he says, you know what? We're acting really discouraged, Courtney. But he says, if God asked for a seven-tailed monkey, God is going to provide a seven-tailed monkey. If God asked for it, guess what? God is more than able to provide for it. And so they got together, they gathered the men, and they went out. They laid a trap, and long story really short, they came back with a seven-tailed monkey. We serve a God who is able And so this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the book of Luke. And I really like the book of Luke because you see, when you open your Bible, you find within the gospel, a lot of stories that match, right? You'll find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But if you notice, Luke is the book that has the most unique stories. Luke mentions things that not everyone else mentions, And so this morning, while we're looking at Luke, we want to focus into Luke chapter one. That is where we are pitching our tent. We are in Luke chapter one, and we're at the very beginning, and we're going to look at verses five through 25. Verses what? Listen, I'm going to need you guys to like respond, because if you don't, I'm going to think you're sleeping, Then I'm going to think you're really enjoying the story, and I'm just going to keep on going. Okay, but we're in verses 5 through 25, and then we're going to jump into 57 to 64. But I want you to know where we're coming from because you're going to want to check what I say against the word. So often we like to take what preachers say, we put it in our pockets, we take it home, we give it to our children, we tell our friends about it, we tell our coworkers about it. And we hardly do the work of actually checking and confirming that indeed the Bible says what someone tells you it says. So I encourage you to look it up. Mark it in your Bible, highlight it, put asterisk, whatever you need to do. So we're in the book of Luke. And as I mentioned already, we're looking at a story that is only mentioned in Luke. We're looking at what happens and the details surrounding the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who the Bible says was appointed to be the one who will go before the Lord to prepare the way to give knowledge of salvation to his people of the forgiveness of their sins. I'm gonna give you the main point. Our main point, much like our story, was God is able. Because I'm one of those people, listen, if you decide halfway through the sermon you wanna leave, you got the main point. All right, and then on top of that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you our how many points? Usually three points, right? I'm going to give you our three points because, you know, I'm also one of those people that I like to know where we're going. I like, I'm not just going to hop in your car and you're going to drive me. I'm going to be like, yo, where are we going? That way I know how long I'm going to be in this car and when this ride is coming to an end. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys our three points. And our three points go like this. One. God is able to use everything. He's able to what? Use everything. Number two, God is able to answer prayers. What is God able to do? And the last one is God is able to release us from bondage. God is able to release us from bondage. Whatever it is that we're going through family, trust and believe, God is more than able. So our first point, is God is able to use everything. And we're going to go to this account of of what happens when John the Baptist is about to be born, and we find his father, Zechariah. We find at the very beginning of Luke, and we're in chapter 5 through 12, and it says this. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. What a nice name. And they were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and statutes of Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense and the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense our scene is being set this is where we meet Elizabeth and Zechariah. you know the Bible says that they're righteous people they're, they're descendants of Israel as a matter of fact The Bible mentions, right, that they're unable to conceive what? Children. They don't have any children. And they're old. And Zechariah is a priest. And Elizabeth is a descendant of Aaron, which means that they are a priesthood family. That's her lineage. That's what he does. Right? And so here we are. Now, the word mentions that Zechariah was chosen by lot. A little background research would tell us that there are 18,000 priests currently. How many? 18,000 priests. This basically means that they played any meeny, miny, Mo catch a tiger by his toe. If it growls and let it go, Any meeny, miny, Mo." Oh, you, you, you're going in. This basically means they took straws and they drew straws and our guy Zachariah, he drew the shortest straw. Okay, this basically means that if you believe in like the universe just pops things around, that the universe chose Zechariah and he went in. So he goes in to burn incense. And again, a quick research would tell us that a priest basically gets to do this, not burn incense, but he has to be on duty for a week twice in a year, right? Two times a year for a week and actually burning incense, you only get to do it once in a lifetime. How many times? Once in a lifetime. And here we are with Zachariah, who just by happenstance, he's chosen to burn incense and sacrifice it. And this is where the angel of the Lord appears. Let me make sure that we understand what this is saying, family. This is saying that something happened to him that we would call chance. This would say that it was the luck of the draw. It was a coincidence. A coin pretty much flipped and he got the job. And then I started thinking and I'm like, but yet God used this very time to reveal to Zechariah what was about to happen. Have you ever felt like things just happened to you? Like, have you ever gotten to that point where you don't know how you got somewhere, but somehow you're there? Like, maybe it looks a little bit like circumstances in life that you're somehow forced to walk through. And you're just like, how? Why? I don't want to do this. And yet here you go. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it looks like a job that you lost, an accident that you got into. Maybe it looks like heartache that you prayed mercy would never happen. It just wasn't part of the plan. And so you see, Zechariah, he got up in the morning and he went to do his duty. He wasn't trying to go burn no incense, but yet he ends up there. What are the possibilities? What are the chances that out of 18,000 priests, he would be the one chosen? So during the summer, I decided to visit. Listen, I come home a lot because Alabama has tornadoes, and I'm not about it. And so during the summer, I said, you know what? Let me go home. Let me go home. I was, I was missing my family. And I said, let me, let me hang out for a little bit. I'm actually going to pick up my dog and take him back. And so I flew out here. But he's a pit bull, and so he can't fly back. He was my brother's dog, but I adopted him, stole him, kind of. But so I get here, and I'm like, I'm here on a Thursday. I'm leaving on a Tuesday. And it just so happened that on that Sunday, I was driving to Orange County. We were having a family lunch with our Wolfson, Philemou family. And I get this phone call from my little cousin Isaac. And Isaac says, hey, Liz, how long are you here for? And I thought to myself, oh, he wants to hang out with me. And I said, um, I'm here till like Tuesday. What you want to do? And he's like, so do you think you can extend your Tuesday till like Sunday? And I'm like, yeah, no, nah, we're not doing that. No. And he says, yeah, you know, what happened was I'm working summer camp and our camp pastor, he caught COVID. And we heard that you were here. So we were wondering if maybe you'd want to come up and be camp pastor. I said, when does this start? He says, today. <laughs> I said, hold on, let me call you back in an hour. Got to yell at God real quick. So I hang up the phone and I'm like, man, God, you just threw me in like this last minute thing yesterday. And now I'm in another thing. I said, let me call Paula. She'll tell me this is ridiculous. So I called Paula and I said, sis, can not believe it? And lo and behold, Paula goes, well, God bless you. Let me pray for you. You'll be amazing. (laughs) So I hang up the phone with her, and I said, let me call my best friend. If anyone's going to tell me this is ridiculous, it's my best friend. So I call my best friend, and I said, can you believe it? This is ridiculous. And she goes, what's the issue? I said, the issue is that this is last minute. The issue is this is not part of my plan. The issue is that I am not prepared. And she says to me, she says, girl, bye. Bye. She's like, this might be last minute for you, but it's always been in the plans for God. Listen, we tend to fool ourselves by thinking that God is not able to use the parts of our lives that are not carefully planned out. The the detours that we go on, we say, "Uh ah, they're not part of God's plans. But can I remind you? that this morning, that no experience is ever wasted? No experience is ever wasted. So I go to camp and I'm up there and I'm having to preach like two sermons, 15-minute sermons a day. I think I ended up being like 10. And I'm like, what age group is this? They go, oh, they're like between nine and 15. And I'm like, first of all, nine-year-olds are still sucking their thumbs and 15s are like going to prom sorry, no, not really, but this is kind of the age gap, right? And I'm like, what am I supposed to tell them? And so they said, well, you know, Liz, the theme is a new thing. It's about what God is doing in you. And so I sat down and family, can I tell you that it took me all the way back to when I was nine years old? And at nine years old, my dad died. And then for years, during the time these kids are up at camp, this age group, right? For years, up until I'm about 15, 14 is when God decided to capture my heart. And I was able to pull from that and give it to them. No experience is ever wasted. We had seven kids give their lives to Christ that summer. Not that summer, because was, but that week. Listen, God is good. And he used that to remind me that he is able to use every experience in my life. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says this. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Commit the detours. Commit the unexpecteds, Commit the last minute changes and the happenstance. Commit whatever it is that you are doing and God will make it happen. And so We come back to our story and the angel appears to Zechariah and we're in verses 12 through 18 and he says, this is what it says. It says, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. for I'm old, and my wife, she's pretty old too. Take note of this. Verse six tells us that they were both righteous before God. These are believers walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes. They knew the word. They were aware of what was written and what was said. They understood that the Israelites came through the Red Sea, and God went ahead, and he slaughtered all of Pharaoh's armies. They understood that day in and day out, God fed the Israelites with manna. They saw what God was able to do with Gideon in 300. But yet, the angel says, they prayed for this child. Not only did this couple understand the promise and prophecies of God, they petitioned the throne of the Lord for a miracle. But when the miracle came, family, when the miracle arrived, Zechariah was acting a fool. Zechariah said, what? Zechariah said, God, I know that ain't it. He started giving the angel reasons why the cards were stacked against God. When the miracle came, we learned family, that although Zechariah prayed, he didn't really believe it. He didn't see how God could make it happen, and here's what's even crazier. He said, "God, you can't do it in my life, and you also can't do it in hers." I might be talking to the walls, but family, I don't want you to miss you to miss this. There are times when we start doubting what God is doing in our lives so bad that we start doubting what God is doing in someone else's life. Where you say, God, if you can't make it happen in mine, you definitely can't do it in theirs. We start making excuses for why he can't work his miracles in the lives of other people as well. But God is not interested in your excuses. And furthermore, God is not limited by what we feel he can and cannot do. God is able to do family. Come on. God is able to do so much more. He's not limited by what we feel he can and cannot do. Isaiah 55 verse nine says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Trust and believe the same God who is able to do it in your life is able to do it in my life. And the same God who is able to do it in my life is able to do it in my neighbor's life. The same God who is able to do it in your neighbor's life is able to do it in your community, in your village. He is able, stop praying and not believing. Man, that was for me. God said, Liz, stop praying and not believing. He says, stop praying and not walking. Does this mean that everything that we pray for, we will get? Nah, we don't serve a Santa Claus God. But what it does mean is that we present it to God and understand that all things work together for our good because we love the Lord and that we are walking right in our purpose. His thoughts are higher than ours. What what he is working out for our lives, we cannot see, but we can trust And when he says it's about to happen, man, we better rejoice because it's about to happen. We can take that promise. We can stand on it and understand that it's a firm foundation and that it will not be moved. God is able to use everything. God is able to answer prayers. And what was our last point? Oh, come on, guys. God is able to release us from our bondage. (laughs) So the angel, right, lays out these specific details. And the angel says, all right, this is what's about to happen. And Zechariah, he starts expressing his doubts. And then the angel says, I need you to be quiet. And I need you to watch what God's about to do. As a matter of fact, here we are. We're in verse 20. And he says, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that all these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now we're skipping to 57. And it says, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that what the Lord had done and that he had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. Verse 60, but his mother answered, no. Listen, woman's history month, let's go, mama. She said, no. His name is about to be John. And they looked at her and they were like, none of your relatives are a John. You have a Zechariah. you have an Aaron. Like, what is this all about? And, and so they look at the dad and they're like, what? let me signal to this guy. What do you want to name your child? And he takes a a tablet and he writes it out. And he says, his name is John. And then verse 64 says this, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. Zechariah is silent until after the child is born. Our last point is that God is able to release us from bondage. You see, Zechariah, he was silenced by an angel because he expressed doubt in what God was doing. He expressed doubt in what God was doing. Not trusting that God was able to do what he promised he was going to do caused his heart to sin and therefore put him in a position where he wasn't even able to enjoy the journey of his wife being pregnant. Because y'all realize the people had, I always thought he was just mute. But then as I was reading this, I realized the people had to signal to him, which meant not only was he mute, he was deaf. Like he had, can't speak, can't hear. And so he's not able to enjoy this journey. Have you found yourself in that space, family? Where you lack Belief, and you have doubt in what God can do in your life. You have doubt that God placed you in a position that you're in. I mean, if you're anything like me, <laughs> I start trying to figure things out myself. I'm like, God, I can work this out, and somehow I land myself into an even bigger hole than I had in, than I was in. Could it be that God wants to show up in our lives and have us experience the fullness and goodness of His presence? But yet we're, we're unable to do so because we have been shackled and bound by our refusal to understand that we serve a God who is able to do all things. Again, our last point, our last point is that God is able to release us from bondage. But much like Zechariah, we must come to a point of obedience in God and his word. So they said, Zechariah, what do you want to name this baby? Let's choose a family name so people would know where he came from. And instead, Zechariah chose to obey the angel of the Lord and name him John. And as soon as he was able, Suava, to do that, God was like, ching, ching. Tongue loose, mouth open. And the first thing he did was he started praising God. He didn't worry about trying to explain to Elizabeth what had happened for nine months when he couldn't speak. He didn't worry about trying to tell people like, hey, guess what? This is what happened when the angel came. Immediately, the Bible says he starts praising God. Family obedience brings freedom. Freedom to enjoy, freedom to experience being a child of God. Freedom to live a life abundant knowing that God is a God of creation and he's a God of the universe and that he was working in the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and he can do the exact same thing in your life. Because you see, when God releases you from the shackles that you have put yourself in, it is time to rejoice. Verse 64, and immediately his mouth was open, his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. When God gives you freedom, rejoice. When God is working it out for your good, rejoice. When God is making sure you get your mama's debit card so that you can pay for your books, girl, you better rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. God is working it out for your good. The first thing Zechariah did was he praised the name of God. He prophesied for what John the Baptist was going to be able to do in the world. Forget the excuses. That's not what he was about. Is there a part of your life that you are experiencing bondage in? We're coming to a close. Are you feeling like you ended up somewhere and you don't know exactly why you're there? I worked, Paula said it earlier, I worked at the conference office for 15 years. It was lovely. I loved it. God was able to do things that blew my mind. I just came down this morning from Pine Springs Ranch where I had to do registration for a firefighter retreat. And that was because I had worked at the conference office for 15 years, that they were like, oh, let's call Liz, she can come do registration. And even while I'm up there, I'm realizing that I'm in these spaces because of the experience that God has brought me through. But here's the deal, family. Towards the end of my time at the conference office, I was getting really tired. Not physically, but like emotionally tired. Rico knows. We'd have these conversations where I'm like, yo, I'm ready to go. But I refused to move. I refused to move. And, and I thought to myself, how does that correlate with this? I put myself there. I left myself stuck after God said, Liz, it's time for you to go. And it took God having to say, listen, I'm gonna make you really uncomfortable for me to be like, all right, God, I'm ready. And once I removed myself from what I decided to shackle myself to, which was a good job with the 401k, praise God. Once I removed myself from that and I stepped out, family, can I tell you that God used that experience I got to Oakwood not knowing a single person and God was like oh Liz isn't staying on campus she needs an office let me hook her up with someone and God said oh Liz you served for 15 years let me connect you with this person my first day on campus I met someone who said to me so what kind of job you looking for I said anything you got he said all right you can have the office next to mine I said, praise God. In the moments that we decide to release ourselves from the shackles that we have put ourselves in, because let's be real, Zechariah put himself in there. It was because of his doubt that he was there. Family, is there something that you are going through? Is there bondage that you are experiencing? Are you feeling like you ended up somewhere? You don't really know how to get yourself out right now. And then maybe you're like, God can't reach me here. This pit is too deep. The lights are off in this room. (laughs) It's dark. God can't see me. Can I remind you that Psalm 139 verse 8 through 10 says this? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand guides me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Have you been praying and pleading? But it's been a while. You've gotten kind of old still waiting for this prayer to be answered. And you're just not sure that he still hears you. And the space starting to look a little hopeless. Listen, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And last of all, has your disbelief and doubts placed you in a space where you're just not sure if you can break through? there's good news, family. I can say there's great news, but we know that when God created the earth, he said it is good. So that's about as good as it's about to get. There's good news. And that good news is that Jesus found me. Jesus. John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. There is power. break every chain break every chain break every chain there is power in the name of Jesus to break chains to release you from bondage there is not a single place that you can go there is not an amount of doubt that you can show that God is not able to reach through and pull you towards him. Is there a space in your life that you know, that you know you have to give to Jesus, that you know you need release from, that you know is keeping you from rejoicing? Family, I invite you to stand I invite you, if you feel that there's just a little bit more you can give God, I invite you to stand. There is power. No other name, right? No other name. He is a God who sees you where you are, but he is also a God who won't leave you there. And before we leave, I'm going I'm I'm to put, put the appeal out there. Because if there's one thing we don't want, we don't ever want to pass up the opportunity to give someone the opportunity to give their lives to Jesus. Because it might be the first time you've heard the gospel, but it also might be the last time we hear the gospel. But I'm going to invite you, family, if you feel like you need to renew your relationship with Christ, if you feel like you need to give your heart to Jesus, I'm going to invite you to just come sit in the front row. I'm going to invite you to take that walk because trust and believe Jesus walked to Calvary for you. Trust and believe that to break the bondage of sin over your life? Jesus walked the walk of shame. The call is simple. And we won't be here for long. Because the truth of the matter is without the emotional music playing, without the the words, the, the funny words, Jesus loves you. Praise God. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. And he gave his life so that you can be free from the bondage of sin. He gave his life so that every situation that you have gone through in life is not a waste. There is power in the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, family. There is power in the name of Jesus, a name that drives out demons, The name above every other name, the name that gives us hope. Because family, we live in a life where we need hope. Everywhere we turn, something's going on. But we serve a mighty God. God bless you, family. God is so good. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain. Father God, you are a God who continues to call us. You are a God who says, I love you so much, that I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for you. You are a God who says that there is nothing that can separate you from my love. And so, dear Lord, as we are here this Sabbath, as I pray your blessings over each and every one of us. I pray your blessings over those who have walked to the front, dear Lord, who decided to take that stand for you. May you continue to show up in the spaces where we need you the most. Dear Lord, may you continue to bless us. At the end of the day, all glory, all praise, and all honor belongs to you. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise your name forever. In your blessed name we pray.